This is the MDRT Podcast. How do you determine when someone is living beyond their means? How do you communicate that to them after you figure that out? During a recent conversation at MDRT headquarters... PJ Byrne, Brisbane, Australia. Jonathan Godshaw, Puebla, Mexico. Danielle Genier, Timmins, Ontario. Randy Kaufman, Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Discussed establishing trust with clients for whom perception may not be the same as reality. For starters, I think you go to this client, to this specific client that you want to see, that you think that is really wealthy because you see how he lives his day-to-day basis, and you at the end see that there's nothing there. There's really nothing there. It's just pretend. And also the other way around. Someone looks to you or maybe wants to talk to you, and you go like, well, okay, I'll see him. And you see that it's a great client that you didn't expect at all. That's interesting. I've heard about clients having more than it seems, but not less. For example, the people that they like to show that they have a lot of money, they have a great car, a great house and everything, but they pretty much spend everything they earn every month. So they don't have anything left to save. And those can be tougher clients to have conversations with yeah. because they're perceived or they perceive themselves to be wealthy mm-hmm. in the community and they're out there. They're not. And so you have to have basic conversations of how to Definitely. budget. But it can be intimidating to have those conversations with them. But I always say is I don't have a choice. I have to have them. But then they're all surprised. Well, what do you mean I overspend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you overspend. Mm-hmm. Or you need to address this debt. And I've had a similar situation not that long ago. And I worked with a client constantly. And then now is that they're about to retire. And they'll say, Danielle, thanks for waking us up. You know, to piggyback on that point, you're right on. The perception and the reality are two different things. So to your point, I met with a prospect at the time. And my assumption was one thing. But it took probably a good year for him to develop trust in me and I in him, that what we talk about is in the strictest of confidence. And his business, although perceived as being one way, in reality was going the opposite. And he really had not talked to anyone about that. And I ended up being the individual who was able to draw that out and we built a great relationship. And, and the future was is that he was able to incorporate other advisors from a team perspective. And we really helped him get his business back on track. And it was just a matter of him being able to trust someone to be able to get it out on the table and admit that he needed some help. And and our role was specifically that, just creating the environment to do so. So it was very rewarding. When you think of the time when it was tough to when it was good, what comes to mind about the moments in between? I think the moments in between is, as we talk about it, staying in touch with people and valuing who we do business with. You know, did you ever get that gut reaction where you just feel there's something there and someone isn't really opening up the way you want and yet you feel purpose in trying to work with these people? And that was a sense that I had. So it was a matter of, hey, let's have a cup of coffee someday. How are things going? And just nurturing that relationship. It probably took a good, I would say after 90 days, started to have something. Listen, you know, I want you to talk to my accountant and where the first step actually took place. And from there, it got into really a more of a transition as to how can we help you get your business back on track. I have quite a few professional clients and some of them aren't always that pleasant to deal with in the insurance space. They can be quite sort of bullish and not always show us the respect that we show them. And I remember I used to have a client about an hour's drive north of Brisbane 
and I'd go and uh, see him and I'd go in there and I knew that he'd be not always as friendly or forthcoming and, and every time I'd be encouraging him to take out the appropriate insurance he'd be sort of you know almost attacking me over the cost of the insurance and anyway it was never a good drive up there but it was the important thing to do that's what we do go and help people even with what we know and then during between the review he'd unfortunately got ill and suffered a mild stroke and this next time that I was driving up I had a, a check for about $150,000 that I was dropping off to him because he'd met the definition and I remember going in and saying to him, I said, do you know, I've been up here about five times and I've never enjoyed the drive up here because I've always knew how you treat me when I come up here. And he goes, well, it's funny you should say that. This is the first time out of the five times you've come up as well that I've been looking forward to seeing you. <laughs> so so he, he was grateful from there, obviously, that we'd persisted with advice and helped him at the time. He's recovered health-wise and now he's a very good advocate for our business and what we do. But difference between clients that have experienced a claim and when we can deliver on our promise to the ones that haven't seen what we truly can do and how we can help them. To follow up on something, Jonathan, when you realize this person wasn't as well off as they might think, can you elaborate on what that meeting was like? Well, it's not just the one. I mean, it's been a few, but I think you have to work with them. Maybe it's not the time, right now to work with them but you have to let them know that they're doing something wrong they have to repair some of the things so maybe later in the future they can work with you maybe you will start working for free you could say like giving advice and everything but they will be really grateful with you and later on they can be your clients did that person ever get mad when hearing that they don't need six motorcycles well, I don't think they get mad. I'm guessing nobody told them directly. They get defensive. Yeah, they get defensive, definitely. Yeah. But not mad. I don't think the mad is the word. But some of them do it, and some of them don't follow your advice at all. It's up to them. Well, it's just because the ones that don't want to hear what you have to say, they don't become your client or they'll never call you back if you've done a financial plan for them. And that's okay because I feel I've done my job and I've told them the truth. They're not hiring me to make everything look pretty. They're hiring me to tell them the truth. Yeah. And especially with them, if you see that they're really in a budget and well, not in a budget, in a big budget, but in a budget, you don't want them as, as your clients also like that because they're going to pay maybe one year, two year premium and it's going to cancel. It's, it's not going to work anymore. So instead of doing something good for them, you might end up doing something bad for them and for you also. Yeah, we're talking about the other. Let's go the other way. I mean, I, I've had some people, which really a surprise, where I walked in and just the fact that I've spoken with them, not the situation where I thought there was one way or another, but they had no insurance or no planning involved at all. And these are very successful people in successful businesses. And it was a matter of, I was literally surprised when I would ask someone, well, tell me a little bit about your business succession plan. How about some of your other planning? Just again, I'm a great 20-minute guy. Hi and hello, this is who I am. Let's follow up sometime in the future. I'm just coming by. But when you get into those situations, they have nothing. And how that you can cultivate those people into something, which I've done numerous times, I'm sure we all have, it's surprising to me. And all they needed was someone to ask them and talk to them a little bit about their future. 
And I'm really surprised the amount of, at least in our market, the business market, where some of the business owners really haven't been communicating with any other advisors, even their own professionals, like their CPAs and their legal counsel. You know, the accountants do their thing, the attorneys do their things, but I find we're more of a quarterback than we realize from time to time. And it's amazing what can happen. You can the business you can get just by asking certain people, do they have, do they have, and so forth. I think, Randy, you're right. I mean, it's our job. The more people we meet, we have to ask that question. And I've found that yeah, you can't have any presumptions on what people have or don't have. But definitely in that business market, you run into very successful business people, but they haven't got the uh, appropriate protections in place or succession in place or even their wills. And yet they are dealing with other professionals, being lawyers and accountants. And in Australia, the advisors there pretty much take a project management role. And once you can show them it's not as hard as you think, or we can actually help you with bring it all together, that they're looking for that support and that help. So it's good. You just can't predict what people do have. And if they do have something, I will say, they don't understand what they have. So we've got to do our role well and explain things simply for them, untangle a lot of the confusion that's been put in place by maybe other people and or it's been there a number of years and hasn't been reviewed. I like your term project manager. Because you can bring the other professionals together so you know letting their accountant know that you're working with that business owner or their family, you'll deal with their uh, solicitor and get them involved and even bringing in the the wealth space or the general insurance but that's quite a role in Australia most financial planner insurance advisors see themselves as a project manager and bring the other professionals in and usually for us too meeting the clients professionals or other professional partners gives us opportunity to help their other clients that they have so it's been a a good way for me in the past to, to find other opportunities as well by demonstrating what we can do to help one client and they go oh I've got another client that sort of needs to tidy that up as well so it's it's been good doing it that way. What's really interesting is that sitting here with you from Australia and Jonathan from Mexico correct and Danielle from Ontario and I from the US it's, it's interesting that you know, the dynamics, even in our different worlds, if you will, different countries, we're all serving the same type population and all have the same issues. We may approach a little different ways. Uh, of course, we have some compliance issues that are different in some of our countries, but aside from that, we all have seem to have a common thread as we talk here. It's pretty interesting. Well, it's pretty common. I mean, most of the issues, like you said, is the same. But one of the things that it struck me the most as a different is like, for example, I've been hearing and I've known for a long time that here in the States and Canada and I'm guessing in Australia also, you talk to the clients and also pretty much ask them, well, tell them why you're a better option, why you have to be their advisor, because they already have something. In Mexico is different. You have to build the culture for the insurance. 90%, maybe 95% of people don't have anything. You say build the culture of doing what? What you have, they don't know even what it is? Yeah, they know what it is, okay. but they don't have life insurance. You talk to them about life insurance and they do, oh yeah, I do have one. The one that is $2,000 from my credit card. That's my life insurance. 
they don't see the value or the need. So you have to build and you have to create the value in their mind. So it's easier because it's a free market, like a virgin market, but it's harder in a way because you have to create that need that is not there anymore. I mean, it wasn't there from before. So PJ and Randy and Danielle will all come down to Mexico and we're working with How's that? Yeah. <laughs> and you're right, because everybody's been told you have to, if you have children, you're going to need life insurance to protect your paycheck, right? So you have to educate a lot. Your clients is the need for the product. Yeah, I think that the clients in Australia, they know they have a responsibility to their family and spouses. And respectfully, a lot of Australians have uh, debt related to their principal place of residence. So the bank wants to ensure that that debt can be repaid. So I think as a community in Australia, there's already a preconceived responsibility. In Australia, they a lot of clients do already have automatic life insurance through their superannuation retirement plan, but they generally don't know what it is. They don't know how much they have. They like to think that it'll do the job, but when we get the opportunity to offer them a review and then explain to them, actually, you've got this much, which isn't enough, and it's actually quite expensive because it's been put through a group scheme and it's not underwritten. There's a bit of uncertainty around it. What would you prefer? And that's where an advisor can you know, make sure a client's best interests are looked after and use the best of what they have if it's appropriate or give them a personal solution to help them sleep better at night. I think it's about asking the right questions too because people in that position get to a point where they don't want to be there again. So sometimes it's about helping them reverse out of that position and and giving them, like Jonathan said earlier, some little steps to start making a difference to get back on the right track. So there comes a point in most people's lives where they're motivated to go down a more sustainable approach, whether it be because they've met a spouse or they're having children or they want to uh, you know, have the option to cease work down the track. So I think sometimes it's time and place and you've also, with the right questions, it should become the client's idea. It shouldn't be our idea. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at MDRT Podcast. We'll see you next time.